Hello and welcome to the Silver Hedgehog Hogcast episode 5. The only podcast that didn't hibernate for Christmas and ate all the pies. The mince ones. I'm your host, Gary Llewellyn. On this episode, I review independent film Once Upon a Lifetime. But first, the film's director David Scatto popped in for a quick chat. We discussed all sorts of things, including his love of film, his passion for writing, and I quizzed him on his new film Once Upon a Lifetime. Uh, just a little note before I press play, the uh, interview was recorded mid-December, so there's a little bit of talk about the MCU and Spider-Man, and if you're listening to this in January, that may seem a little bit outdated now. But the rest of the interview is brilliant, if I do say so myself. Anyway, enough of my rambling, on with the podcast. Hello, David. Welcome to the Silver Hedgehog Hogcast. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Just a massive thank you for coming on to the Hogcast and being, I think, my third ever interviewee. So a really privilege there. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no problem at all. So we got talking on Facebook after I wrote a review of Once Upon a Lifetime, which I think is your latest film. Uh, and we got talking. One thing I did is I read your bio on your website as well. I can see that you love life and you love to tell stories. And one of my first questions to you is, where do you think that kind of love of telling stories comes from? Well, it comes from childhood. So, you know, growing up, we didn't have a lot. The way to escape circumstances for me was to daydream. Um, You know, imagine a life that I didn't have. You know, just imagining, you know, where I wanted to be and, and, you know, even who I wanted to be. So, you know, telling stories in my head became a thing. You know, never knew that I could put it on another medium. But it became my thing. It's like, you know, daydream about, you know, being anything, superhero, even being something as a doctor, you know, just whatever, you know, whatever I could think of at the time that that would get me out of my circumstances. I, I daydreamed. And, and that's where my love for telling stories and my love for life just, you know, in this life, you can be anything you want, you know, and I've always believed that. So, you know, put those two things together and I'm here. And telling wonderful stories at that, at that as well. I noticed that your first film was Gutter Story, which it came out exactly about 10 years ago. Correct, correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what made you start getting into filmmaking and choose Gutter Story as the first film? Okay, well, interesting. I, all of our stories are interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but to, to go back, to go back to Gutter Story, um, you have to go back to just film in general. So I wasn't a filmmaker. I was. I used to do um, TV commercial, TV ads for local TV, um, and that's how I get into filming. Um, you know, I moved from there to music videos. So I did a lot of music videos for um, local rappers in the area, and. I've always wanted to try to do a movie, but I never knew that I could. I I didn't really know how. So I got all the rappers together and I was like, hey, let's do a movie. And I pretended to know what I was doing. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and they all came out and, and, you know, we we, we got a story, you know, very low budget. Got a story called we shot got a story over one weekend and it cost me all of one hundred and seventy (laughs) six (laughs) dollars. Because I, I, I already owned the equipment. I shot everything, did everything, wrote everything. And it was actually reasonably successful. Fantastic. So, but yeah, yeah, that's where it came from, man. Just, you know, I don't know, by default, wanting to do something and deciding that I could at least give it a try. And it sparked a whole new career, I see. 
It did. <laughs> That's true. So um, when you're not writing screenplays, when you're not producing new films, when you're not writing novels, because I've spotted you on Amazon, one of the halves actually reading your book, um, and not being a musician, what do you do to relax? Okay, well, let's 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 pause a little bit on that. Musician. I'm no longer a musician. I haven't made music since 2007. So <laughs> I've been out <laughs> of that career. But um, what I do to relax is watch movies. I, I love an avid film fan. You know, I love movies. I love all things Marvel, you know, and, and excited to see the new Spider-Man. So don't spoil it for me. No, I haven't um, seen it yet either. <laughs> so, so, yeah, just movies. Um, one of my greatest pastimes is watching really, really bad science fiction movies. Oh, I love man. bad sci-fi. Like I, I would sit there and I would, I would swear at the TV the whole time, <laughs> but I, I enjoy it so much. The, 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 the worse, the better. <laughs> so like Attack of the 50 Foot Woman. Oh yeah. Um, classics like okay. The Thing and The Blob. Oh yeah. Uh, Night of the Leapers. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> love it, man. I, I've seen it all. I've seen that, and I, I'm not, not only the old ones. I mean, new new ones too. Like people that make really horrible sci-fi today. I watch those too. So, yeah. Yeah, there's a certain charm about those kind of low-budget sci-fi schlocky films that you just can't get enough of. Uh, here in the UK, Amazon's cornering the market for those. It's the Amazon Prime is full of them. It's great. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Obviously, you like to watch films. Is there a particular film that's had a lasting impact on you and your life and perhaps an inspiration for your filmmaking as well? I think it, that'll be more, more than one. But if I had to say life-wise, uh, Purple Rain, you know, the Prince, the Prince movie, you know, from back in the mm-hmm. 80s. I know. You know, you, know, not, you know, not to mention it was the first time I saw a boo that wasn't related to me. So Purple Rain changed me. You know, I saw it when I was younger, but then I saw it again when I became an adult. And I realized that, you know, Prince's story was similar to mine as a struggling musician trying to figure out life, you know. And and he in the movie, he had a, um, a kind of a, a, a disassociation or not sure what word I'm looking for, but he had an issue with being biracial, you know, right. and... I think for me, my my biggest issue was I was a good guy trying to be bad, you know, and that that it was an identity crisis is what it was, you know, because where I, where I grew up at, you got to be tough. So I was a good guy, but I was trying to be tough, you know, and I felt where he was coming from, you know, with that identity crisis. So it definitely left a large impression on me. And I've probably seen it at least 16 times. So. Love that movie. It's it's one of my favorites. It's probably at the top of my list of, of favorite movies. Purple Rain, if, if you've never seen it, watch it. I, I know it. I, I've never watched it. So it's one to put on my list. Yeah, put it on your list, man. It's I'll put phenomenal. it on the green screen list and we can talk about it. Okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, want to move on to talking about Once Upon a Lifetime. It's a really interesting film. I, I, I really liked it. I think I, in, on my review, I called it a charming independent film, and it really is. And it's one of those, it's got a very interesting play on this rapid aging genre. And not only that, there's a really skillful exploration of the family dynamic. What gave the idea to combine the two kind of concepts together and, and create Once Upon a Lifetime? Well, so um, I wanted to do a family drama. Right. It started out as I wanted to do a family drama, but I wanted to 
um, make sure that, first of all, make sure people watched it. And, and I didn't want to box it in as just a family drama. So, um, and I wanted to tell a story about several generations under one roof. You know, so that's kind of where the basic story came from. And then I thought about, you know, I'm, I'm really big into fantasy, science fiction and things like that. So it's like, so how can I take this and make it science fiction or make it, you know, what it, what it became fantasy? So it was like, OK, I got this family. They're multi-generational. You know, you got the son, the, the son, the father, mother and the grandmother, which is three generations. So and, and that's how I came up. It's like, OK, let me insert a person that grows through these generations to help these people because we all need a little joy in our life. So even at, at no matter what time of life that is, you know, because when you're younger, you got different issues. You know, a, a, a nine year old doesn't have the same issues as a 70 year old. So I wanted to kind of show who can be helpful in all of these generations, you know, so that's that's basically how I came up with the story. But it, it really the foundation of it is a real deal family drama is what I was trying to convey. And it comes across really well, actually. It is watching a family drama unfold, especially as the joys get older and mm. different dynamics come into play as well. Another thing that's really striking is everybody looks like they're having a bright kind of good old time on it. Everybody's got a smile on the face. Uh, you know, it, it just looks like everybody's gelling. Have you worked with any of the cast with previous films or other projects? Um, with the exception of Cecily, who's a co-producer, she also plays Joy 40s. No, everybody else was brand new. Everybody else was, you know, I met them all through the casting process. So, you know, just it's I think what it is, you, you got to read people's personalities at casting, you know, from self tapes and things like that. And then, you know, you just got to make sure that, you know, I'm, I'm big on energy. So if your energy is coming across well, then I have no problem with casting you, you know, but if your energy is bad, it, you know, and this, you know, may sound bad to some people, but I trust my energy. So if I walk into a room with a person for a meeting and the energy is bad, they, they don't have to do anything to me. But I just feel like I can't be here and I can't be around this person. So those are the people that I negate from anything that I do. You know, see, you have a good energy. So, of course, I love to do your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, but no, no, I, I stay away from bad energy. You know, so all of the people that came to said had good, great energy and, 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 and it plays well on screen. It does, yeah. And the young actors are really phenomenal. I mean, uh, Phoenix has won an award, I noticed. Mm -hmm. How how easy was it to cast the younger cast? Um, it actually was kind of difficult um, because I've, I've worked with kids before on multiple projects. So casting children is very interesting. You know, you know, just one example, you know, I worked on a worked with a child on a, a pilot and she literally burst into tears because she didn't want to be there. Her parents <laughs> was making her do it. So I look for things like that. I look for things like, you know, does the kid want to be here? You know, you know, and I kind of just pay attention to the surroundings, you know, and, and with Phoenix, it was like, oh, yeah, he was answering my questions. I sat there and I had a, you know, not even an audition. I just had an interview with him. I sat there and I just talked to him and I do that to make sure that he's comfortable being on set. So just talk to him. And I mean, the guy was answering questions as if he was, you know, 30. <laughs> so, <laughs> It was like, and he had his innocence about himself. So, and I was like, he's the kid, you know, he's the guy. And with the other Joy, same thing, you know, uh, uh, Raquel, she came through, uh, same thing. She had that innocent, that's, that's Joy 9. And then Sophia, Sophia was uh, Joy, whatever you want to call it, 15-ish. But Sophia was the Joy that I, I um, based every other Joy around. 
So I picked, uh-huh. I, yeah, I picked her first, and then I put everybody else around her. Casting the children was great. It was, it wasn't easy, but it was great. It was a great experience. Something else that comes across is all of the characters are really are shown as a strong. They're, they're all strong characters in the film. There isn't one that's portrayed weaker than than another. Say, even in a moment of weakness, Tatiana finds a strength to kind of boot out her husband. And I was really rooting for her to do that. By the way, at one minute I thought, oh no, no, she's going to cave. And when she didn't, I was so happy. <laughs> how how difficult was that scene for Araya to film? Because did look really emotional on screen. Um, Ari is just a phenomenal, phenomenal actress to work with. She she is one of those directors' dream, right? You know, she comes in, she's ready to work, she's ready to go, and she makes it look easy. So to answer the question, how easy was it? I wouldn't know because you know I'm not an actor, <laughs> but, <laughs> but she made it look easy. Like she she came in and she nailed it. She she embodied everything who Tatiana was. Everything that I saw in Tatiana. Uh, Ari had it, um, but yeah, no, no, she was she she's great. You know, she came in, she nailed it every scene. She 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 put one hundred and ten percent in everything she did. With the joys, that there is a level of continuity which also I kind of noticed and really enjoyed watching. So between Joy Nine um, to, to the oldest Joy, there were personality traits that just continued through. How much did the actresses discuss that amongst themselves about how they were going to portray it, or was that something that? came from yourself as a director? I would say it came from me as a director and me as a, you know, I write character backgrounds on everybody, you know, so with this particular film, the character background stayed the same with the joys. So they all got the exact same character background, you know, and with just kind of talking to them, mentoring them, you know, how I wanted Joy to portray, you know, even though you're 40, you still got to have an innocence. Even though you're 70, you still got to have an innocence, you know, so I just kind of work with them on that. You know, now with that said, you know, a lot of it was just them. It was just, they're just great actresses. And, you know, it, I mean, there was nothing else to be said about it. It's, they nailed it. You know, you tell them one thing and they nailed it. A- another thing is after casting, we did, you know, a couple of rehearsals. I made sure that they all got each other's contact. And I was like, please talk to each other, you know, yeah. connect, you know, find that connection because you're the same person. So go ahead and, you know, try to start making that connection, try to start gelling together, you know. But so I think it was a mixture of all of us, just all of us coming together and making it work. Excellent. It was something that I kind of noticed at the very beginning with Joy Nyan. And to say, as it, as it went through, this smile continued through each and every character. And it was it was it was it was a joy to watch. <laughs> nice. Um, what about filming? How long did it take to, to, to film end to end? So you're probably going to like be really upset at me and slap me for this, but we shot that film in eight days. Wow. <laughs> I know. And, you know, and, and again, those things are not by choice. It's by budget restraints. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, we got to get in, we got to get this thing shot. And I'm able to do that because, you know, I am the director and the writer. So it makes it a little bit easier to speed up those days because once I got the shot, I know I got the shot. Like, I, I know when I have exactly what I'm looking for. But sometimes, you know, you'll do it in a couple of takes. No less than two takes. I don't really do a one-take thing. But no. um, I can do it, you know, two takes or better. So rehearsing, you know, we rehearsed a lot. You know, we, we came through and we actually did the scenes way before filming. You know, and, and that's with everybody. So we really did the movie probably, you know, five or six times over wow. before we actually shot. So I say eight days of actual on production on scene, but we're talking months of preparation. All paid off in the end, though, didn't it? 
Brilliant. Oh, yeah. Where was it filmed? I, I, I don't know, obviously, America very well. So, um, Los Angeles. Oh, wow. So, yeah, the entirety of the film was filmed right here in Los Angeles, California, which is uh, West Coast. But Los Angeles is the place of film. You know, Hollywood nice. is here, you know, things like that. Um, but no, we didn't actually film in Hollywood, but, you know, the surrounding areas. Do you keep in touch with any of the cast members? Oh, yeah. Oh, Lord, probably all of them. Yeah, yeah, even even from previous films, I still talk to, you know, just a lot of the cast from, yeah. But no, from, from once, yeah, I think all of them. And do you ever think about when you're writing, that's, that's going to be perfect for such and such? Or, um, or do you always look at a blank canvas every single time? Well, for the most part, blank canvas, but I do, um, every now and then I do. You do because even, even for the eating goal, I got a character in mind that was in once, so... Yeah, so I'm looking at that. But no, I, I, I do, for the most part, blank slates. Um, I mean, because I don't want to get cornered and, you know, trying to fit somebody into something. I'd rather, I'd rather for the character to be who the character is and hope that a person can fit that character. Okay, yeah, because I wasn't sure if you'd kind of got an ensemble cast that you would kind of reach out to and go, I've written this, you'd be great, or, or that. So it's a whole casting process each time. Right. Yeah, it's a whole casting process. Even even if I worked with them before, it's still the whole, you know, I still need to see them in, in that in that part. I need to see them in that character. And it's just it's just a thing about it. I just I, I need to see. It, yeah. You know, and you know, just it's a director in me. You know, even if I think, oh man, that person is gonna be awesome and amazing, I still need to see it. Yeah, because it might well be your mind's eye is different to what, what happens on screen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and we do a screen test. And before I sign anybody on, I do screen tests. Yeah. So I'll do the casting. Self, My casting is self-tape, um, a, a live audition, screen test. And right. if you get through the screen, and the screen test is always with the person that's going to either have the most scenes with you or have the most um, effective scenes with you. So, for instance, the screen test was Ari and Jensen for for once you know and it was it was it was phoenix and raquel oh okay so yeah so yeah we i do it like that to try to and again that's how you get that you know <laughs> that jelly yeah the, the connectivity between the two. Oh yeah oh yeah so and then you hope they fit everybody else but you know you do the best you can another thing that really struck me was a soundtrack once upon a lifetime doesn't have this temp track or stock soundtrack which, which independent films tend to suffer from mm. you know they tend to suffer from end to end just monotonous badly cut sound but once in a lifetime is a lot different to that it has actual artists am i pronouncing it right emery yes they may tell me it's not right but that's how i pronounce it <laughs> <laughs> so, how did that connection come across um, it came across through Soundstrike, making a just kind of making deals, you know. So I made a deal with Soundstrike. It's actually a group, not a person. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I know, right? It sounds yeah. So kind of going back and forth, and and you know, just made that deal with them, and it's like you know, it's good to go. I I do that because you know I can't I come from music, so like you said, I don't want generic whatever. I need music to convey emotion. I went through oh lord, hundreds of artists. She struck me, uh, I say she, but because the main, um, the lead, of course, is female, but she struck me as just awe. You know, I was in awe by just the tone and, and you know, the lyrics and just everything. And I was like, okay, 
And, and another thing that I do in my films, I try my best to use the same artist as much as I can. All right. And so when I saw her catalog and went through the catalog, I was like, you know, she's the, she's the one, or, or they're the they're the group. There's certain tracks which appear throughout the film from the group, and yeah. they fit really well. I didn't notice anything that was sticking out. It was like a perfect mold. What was on screen? Another thing I was really surprised by. Okay, nice. Well, hey, you'll you'll like my films because I, I I I live for the music. I believe music can can change a mood instantly. So, and I, I try to make sure that, you know, I put really, really good music in every film I do. I look forward to seeing some more. And what does the future hold for you? Um, the future holds another movie. I'm working on um, another film. I actually got a couple in the in the chamber, as we say. So my next film, you know, was going to be this horror type thing, but I switched it around because I want to kind of stay with, with the way that the world is. I want to kind of stay in a family friendly zone. Um, you know, the world is already horrible. So let's yeah. <laughs> let's do something that's friendly. So I, I went I went back to an original idea that I had and, and that's that's gonna be my next movie and it's called Eating Gold. I also got a another book which the the, the famous book is one of five. So um famous is a series or not famous in general, but it's called The Soul of Soul of the World. Mm-hmm. Um and it's, it consists of five books, you know, that yeah, that that all tie together and and you know comes down to this massive um, last book. So just you know excited about that. Working on that now and it should be completed. It should be released in March, but don't quote me on that because I've been busy. <laughs> <laughs> just <a> um, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to shoot for Mars, but I got a couple of things. I got a, a couple of offers to direct other films by other uh, writers. Kind of scanning through those. You know, but for right now, um, Eating Gold is my next my next romp in the film film industry. And if I remember right, Eating Gold is to do with a a girl that enters a cooking competition and she's a vegan. Right. right. Yeah. That's it. That's it. So teenage uh, a teenage girl who's just dealing with a lot of different things. And again, that right there is, is what I call my pre brief. You know, it'll change at once I you know kind of nail down. And I don't put too much early on because. The one thing I don't want to do is, is is for somebody to beat me to my own idea. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's fair enough. You know, so I kind of kind of put that little brief. Is way more to it than that. And, and you know, you know, by one watching once, there's some fantasy elements in there that I'm not going to get into. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but you'll see it. once I once I get the movie done, that that synopsis will change, and and you'll see what it's really about. But that kind of gives you an overview. Of what no, that's I'm fair enough. To. I'm just expecting Gordon Ramsay to pop up mysteriously in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> It's gonna be awesome, man. It's gonna it's gonna be a fun shoot. It's gonna be a fun shoot. So we're. Uh, I look forward to seeing that when it comes out at some point. Oh yeah, for That's sure. It. We got yeah. you know what we got to get it, get you in for another review, man. Because yeah. you know I like that. I love the thoroughness. No, oh, thank you. I, I, I'm so you know I'm I'm just shocked and humbled about everybody that I've seen that's liked it and shared it and commented on it. So thank you for that as well. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And before we we started recording this, we, we had a bit of a chat, and you 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 let slip that you're a massive Marvel fan. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. massive. I've seen so, every single thing except for the Inhumans. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen Inhumans, and I haven't seen the new Spider-Man yet, but I've seen everything else. Okay, okay. So, nice. What what is your take as a, as a filmmaker, not as a fan, but just as a filmmaker of the Marvel of the MCU, of what Marvel have done with that universe? Because um, I think it's incredible. 
Oh, I just took the word right out of my mouth. I was going to say incredible. Um, it's incredible that that they can keep that level of entertainment at for for almost all movies. I'm not going to say all, but with the exception of maybe two. <laughs> but uh, man, I mean, just how 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 do you do that? You know, you know, it's it's hard enough making one good movie. You know, but I think what they're on twenty three. Yeah, I mean, it's know, like. So. It's it's taken Bond over fifty years to get to twenty five films, and they've done it in what ten? It's it's yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. So and it's amazing. It's just I mean I, I find it incredible. The storytelling is great. I mean it, they they do a perfect mix of popcorn flicks and storytelling. And and you know a lot of people say oh they're just popcorn flick, but Marvel films has a lot of emotion to it. Like there's a lot of things that that you can get out of Marvel films if you really want, just paid attention to the to the message on some of it. Would you consider doing your own style MCU for your for your movies going forward? That is that is the soul of the world. My I would love to make it a a its own universe. You know, it, I mean, it'll start with the books, um, but I would love. I mean, the original idea came from filmmaking. Famous was a script before it was a novel. All right. You know, yeah. So you know, but being that you know the budget on something like Famous is it, for me is extreme. Uh, it's something I can't afford, and my investors can't afford. You know, so and it, it's not even it's not even big as a Marvel. Um, when I budgeted out famous, it came out to be a little bit under 12 million dollars, you know, wow. and in the scheme of things, in the scheme of films, you know, that's that's still considered, you know, mid budget, mid to low budget. But for me, it's like, I ain't got that kind of money. No. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> that's so. high budget. Yeah. 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 And 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 I, I refuse to shoot it for less than than. Um, what's needed because it's a great piece of work so i won't compromise it you know and i could easily shoot it for less than that but i won't get everything that i need out of it if i shot for less than than the, the budget that i have so i'm gonna wait until i get there and how does it work with you with your filmmaking because obviously you write your script do you have to go out and then find your own funders your own investors or, or i have it... yeah i have investors i have investors that that ride with me on everything i do uh, which is, you know, which is a fortunate thing as an independent filmmaker. And I put my own money in it, too. Yeah. You know, so I'm able to cut the budget a lot by being a writer, by being the editor, by being the director. You know, so those are things that I'm able to, you know, cut the expense on, you know, because I don't pay myself for my script. <laughs> you know, I, I, I just don't like my script is zero on the budget, you know, so that right there knocks a, a, a nice chunk out. I don't pay myself to direct. You know, I don't pay myself to produce. I'm able to really, really chop the budget down by doing that because I love movie making so much that it's not about money. You know, and at the end of the day, you know, my films sell, you know, no matter what I do, they sell. That's when I get paid. So it's one of those things where, you know, well, if it's not good, you're not going to get paid. It's like, so I got to make it good. <laughs> <laughs> so do you ever bring them over to the UK, the films? Do they ever, ever kind of hit? hit this side of the pond or um this one once upon a lifetime should um the other ones they were just way too low budget <laughs> to, to be worth the time um but yeah no once upon a lifetime should as far as i know the distributor has sold territories and, and so it should be popping over there soon popping up soon yeah because um the, the reason I, I got to watch once upon a lifetime is through vision films they um 
I I reviewed a film for them, uh, which was Solar Impact: Destruction of London, um, and it was one I'd rented from. A, we have a we have a, a DVD rental service still in the UK called Cinema Paradiso. Okay. It's a bit like the old blockbuster video on demand. <laughs> I know. So right? like, wow. Yeah, and then they send you one in the post, and then you can watch it and send it back. And the beauty about that is obviously they do 4K discs as well. So all okay. the kind of latest films, if if I don't want to watch them on streaming, I don't want to have to the proper experience i can i can get a 4k disc but i also like you i I like watching all sorts of films and I, this solar impact film kind of caught my attention so i kind of stuck that on the list and got the dvd and watched it wrote my review and then unbeknownst to me it was distributed by vision films and then they got in touch uh, and the publicist yeah. got in touch and then that's how i've been able to um to, to watch a couple more and i think yours was the third vision vision yeah. film I've seen. Nice. So I've since had another list of about four or five come through, so I've got to choose which I want to watch. So. <laughs> awesome, man. That is nice. It's a great connection. Vision is a great company, you know, um, just just great company. You know, like yourself, they they found me and was like, hey, you know, we love this film, you know, so we made a deal and yeah, that's that's where I am. You know, and I and I, you know, hopefully they they uh, distribute my next film. So I would definitely love to go with them on the next one. Oh, amazing. Uh, I'll keep in touch with them anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And if, if nothing else, I'll send it to you so you can review it. Let's start getting the Silver Hedgehog on the map, man. <laughs> I think you have a great, great idea. I think that you're great at what you do. And, you know, anything I can do to help you, don't hesitate to reach out. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, and it's great to get some feedback from from people such as yourself who, who are making the films and telling me, yeah, what I'm writing is great or or, or not. Yeah. And yeah. So at least yeah, I'm not well, on the right path. It's great. It's great, man. You know, I, I just I feel like as long as you stay true to yourself and, and, and write exactly what you feel, you can't go wrong. You know, so, yeah. Yeah, so I can't wait for the next one. You know, and when I direct that Marvel movie, you're the first person I'm calling for the review. Thank you. <laughs> like I, I need him well, in the front row, people. I'm gonna have to get him in the front row. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where's Kevin Feige's number? Come on. <laughs> I know, right? I know, but we you know, I'm, I'm dying for it. Like I'm definitely, definitely, you know, you know, hopefully the the thing won't be over, but. You know, by by the time I get there, but I definitely I would love love to direct a Marvel film. Uh, I think we're we're in for the long haul with them. The the plan they keep coming out with and is is incredible, really. And even if they run out of characters, which I don't think they ever will do, right? Just, just invent some some new ones, aren't they? They're, they're in prime position, really. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. I got uh, my manager doing some stuff, but we'll see how that works out. So <laughs> I'm rooting for you. <laughs> yeah, man, you know, I'm 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 gonna do it one day. If nothing else, my universe is coming in the next two to three years. So fantastic. All right. Yeah, shall shall we end it? That's perfect. Thank you, guest number three. Awesome, man. <laughs> I, I'm number three of many. I promise you, my friend, many. I'm sure you'll all agree that David was a fantastic guest and I look forward to his return onto the podcast at a later date. Before I carry on, I would also like to thank you, dear listener, for picking this podcast to listen to. There are other ways that you can support, such as pressing like, 
or giving us a great rating on the podcast app of your choice. Also, you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash silverhedgehog. And we've also got Patreon available now at patreon.com forward slash silverhedgehog. However you choose to support the podcast, it is very much welcome. All right, now time's come to review Once Upon a Lifetime. As ever, I'll review it against the criteria laid out at the Silver Hedgehog. So we're looking at the script, casting, sound, visual effects, video quality, and that will give us an overall score of how the film has fared. So first up is going to be script and screenplay. And the official synopsis states that as a little boy struggles to cope with his difficult home life and his parents' failing marriage, a mysterious girl suddenly appears. Faith, family and a special kind of magic come together as this new friend teaches them all about love, forgiveness and healing. Miracles sometimes happen when we least expect them. As David said in the interview, what family wouldn't need a little bit of joy? The film opens with a young lad called Thomas being beaten up by school bullies. Thomas in this case is played by Phoenix Nicholson who is doing a sterling job, but more on that later. While Thomas is on the ground he sees a girl watching him, a very mysterious young nine-year-old joy as it turns out something's not quite right with a little girl is she a ghost is she an alien is she something else we don't know thomas decides to make a sharp exit from the girl only for her to appear outside of his home his mum tatiana befriends the girl now called joy and invites her to stay while they figure things out soon a strange thing happens overnight joy gets older this is a script that explores the concept of rapid aging and it also deals with school bullying, husband who's having an affair, mum who's too proud or scared to do anything about it, and a heartfelt discussion on death. One area I found a little disappointing was the family structure. It seems to be focused on a very traditional, if not old school, family dynamic. One where the man provides for the family, and the woman simply cooks, cleans and looks after the kids. I feel a bit more character development could have brought out a more modern style family dynamic. You know, one where... Husband and wife are equal, for example. But it's not all doom and gloom. David has injected some humour throughout. It breaks up the serious topics. Joy is a streak of genius. Uh, she She has this naivety that continues as she ages. And that allows for some really nice moments for the cast to play off. There's a reoccurring joke with the Doctor, which is very fun. Uh, And overall, I thought the script is well-structured. And he does an excellent job with making the joys age and how that has an impact on the family dynamic. So for the script and screenplay, I gave it 8 out of 10. Okay, next up is casting. Now, this may well be an independent film full of cast that are not household names. Araya Thompson, who plays the mom of the family, Tatiana. Thompson has a particular scene where she has to convey a lot of emotion while making a particular decision. And it's a really powerful performance and you really believe she is the mom of the family. A special mention goes out to the four actors that play Joy. They all play Joy and give her a certain personality trait which carries the the way through their version or their portrayal of the character of Joy, and it's great to see, and it's, it's a lovely detail. Lastly about casting, I just wanted to talk about Phoenix Nicholson, who plays Thomas. Now, casting Thomas had to be the right choice, as this character has a lot to do, and if not cast right, the film would fail. And Phoenix Nicholson delivers. He not only looks the part, and he looks like he can own his own in a fight and throw the punches, 
but is also able to convey the sensitive side of being a child amidst a parental breakup. Then switch to a kid that's just simply enjoying life when he's around joy. It's a great performance, and as I say, without him, the film simply would not work. So well done, Phoenix. And I gave the casting 9 out of 10. So next up, it's the sound, music and score category. And for an independent film shot on a budget of about 250k, Once Upon a Lifetime has a really decent soundtrack stroke score. Um, Dave has gone out and he's found an artist by the name of Emery, which I believe is a band, as we discussed in the interview. And he's been able to marry their music and certain tracks to what happens on screen perfectly. And that's really unusual for an independent film, because normally there's no budget for music. There's a temp or library track that's stuck on and it just you have to put up with it as a viewer, but not with Once Upon a Lifetime. Uh, it's a really, really class performance, and well done. There are a couple of sound snafus. Um, a couple of scenes suffer from a little bit of sound loss, um, a little bit of background hiss that could have been removed in post. Uh, and I watched it on a pre-release version, so hopefully it's been resolved since then. And that's really my only gripe. So I gave sound, music, score... 8 out of 10. And if you'd like to listen to Emery, obviously go out and find them on Spotify. But if you look on my review, there's a sample score section in a few seconds that you can listen to via Spotify. Next is video quality and effects. Uh, the screener that I watched didn't specify the quality, but it looked really sharp. The imagery was bright. The film makes good use of some stock footage. So look out for a surprise squirrel. I did notice a couple of shots that had trouble with contrast. There's a shot in a church, for example, where it's very, very contrasty and there's a lot of definition that's lost. That's a really small grumble. Overall, the videography was really well done. There's no real special effects to speak of, other than obviously the makeup, which was fine. Uh, looked really good, actually, and I didn't notice anything that was over the top or out of place. So, 8 out of 10 for video quality and effects. Overall thoughts? Once Upon a Lifetime is a charming independent film, well written, well produced, well acted. It's been about a month since I last watched it and there are still certain scenes that stick in my head. You know, it's a film that explores how people can enter your life without reason, provide a positive impact and then suddenly vanish when their job is done. And I, and I described it as a charming independent film on the review and I think that sums it up really well. It scored overall 8.2 out of 10, which gives it a recommended rating. And yeah, I do really recommend you go out and find it. Well, that's it for my natterings. I hope you enjoyed my ramblings as well as David's interview. I look forward to speaking to you on episode six of the podcast. Until then, take care, stay safe, hedgehog out.